This is Checked In with Splash. Welcome to the party. I'm Camille Whitestern, and I'm so excited to share that we've rebranded our podcast. Consider Checked In with Splash, your VIP backstage pass to learn from experts about how to create meaningful experiences that drive ROI, boost engagement, and tip the scales in your favor. In this episode, I have an illuminating conversation with Splash co-founder Ben Hinman on how to optimize offsites. We get into how he's designing powerful internal programs with Shopify and what you can do to deliver stellar experiences that deliver maximal employee engagement. It's a juicy episode, so let's get into it. Today, I'm joined by a very special guest, someone who, if you know him, actually needs very little introduction. We've got the former head of events from Thrillist, a beatboxer extraordinaire, and Splash's very own co-founder and executive chairman, Ben Hinman. Ben, thanks so much for coming on to the podcast, and how flippin' cool is it that we get to do this together? Hey, everyone. Thanks for having me. It's great to talk to you. Very excited to be here. Well, Ben, thanks so much for being here. Before we dive in, I just want to share something that's been on my mind, on my heart. You know, I just had a ton of questions swirling around in my mind the last couple of years. And I think that anyone who's tuned in has probably been noodling on a lot of these same questions. What I'm thinking about are things like, how do you create culture without a water cooler? How do you foster a greater sense of belonging without physical space? And how do you lead using company experiences? Today, I'm joined by the guy who hired me. And on my first day at Splash, we hosted an interactive dance party at that. Then we built tables using our company core values. And then we ended up at Brooklyn Bowl for a big boy concert. It was epic. Ben does not accept events as checkboxes. Every event is an opportunity to create a moment in time that brings people together. So if you've been toiling over how to increase retention with your upcoming offsite, or if you've been asked to even moonlight as a leadership coach or internal events expert, stick around because we're going to get into all of your questions and all of the things that you need to nail internal programming for your team. Ben Hinman is the co-founder of Splash. He's our executive chairman and our head of event strategy. He's got all the answers to all of my questions. Ben, where does this podcast find you today? I'm calling in from Austin, Texas, where I live with my family, two kids, and wife. I love Austin. You guys have the best food, the best vibes. It is. It's true. Ben, paint us a picture with just like how you've been spending your time and kind of like what you've been obsessed with lately. Well, you know, I'm an event planner by background and we built Splash for about 10 years. And last year I brought in a CEO and I've been excited to take on the role of head of event strategy, which basically means I get to work with our customers to develop their strategies to bring events to life. And I've been most focused and most excited about thinking about the culture events of the future. You know, we work in this distributed by design environment where everyone is everywhere. And we have these moments in time, these small windows to come together 
and develop culture, build belonging and create alignment in our organizations. And so most recently, I've been working with Shopify to develop their offsite program. These are when they come together in what they call bursts, these bursts of uh, energy and gatherings where they come together and ideally fill up their trust batteries and their sense of belonging and their alignment in just two to three days with enough of that will that will last for call it two to three years. And so it's been a really hard, but really rewarding task to be working alongside Shopify. I'm excited to be here today. My hope is that I get to share a couple of the learnings, a couple of the ideas that I've uncovered as I've gone through this journey. I love that. I want to, for someone who's maybe never planned an offsite or is really thinking about how can I take my offsite to the next level and make it an unforgettable experience, where do they get started? How did you get started with Shopify? So there's many different flavors of offsites, right? There's offsites that are meant to accomplish like skill building, like how do you improve your skills, get better as a manager, as a contributor. There's also the GSD, get stuff done offsites where you're usually doing collaboration, whiteboarding, brainstorming. How do you actually use the in-person to create an osmosis that helps you move a project forward? And then there are culture offsites. These are offsites that connect to your values or your belonging in the business and, and usually incorporate norms and rituals. And so certainly, you know, I've been focusing on all three of these, but I'm finding that where companies need the most help and the most focus are on the culture offsites, the ones that really help their people feel naturally a sense of belonging and a sense of that they are co-creating both the experience and the company themselves. And so I would say a great place to begin with all of this is to ask two important questions. The first one is, what can we not do on Zoom? What can we not do online that we can only do in person? And to use that as your beacon. And then the second one is to ask the question, what do employees want? And you might do this through a survey. You might do this through your own intuition. You might do this by inviting a host committee to help you plan this. But what, what I've found more often than not is that what employees want are essentially three things. First, they want to feel like their work has meaning, that their work is making an impact on their company. It's making an impact on their team. And it's also making an impact on the world. So finding opportunities in your offsites to provide meaning, but also they want to feel like they can express their passions. That the things that they are excited about are things that they can share with others on site and help them feel excited about. And lastly, they want to feel like they are fully expressed as a human being, as, as, as a contributor, that they are actually contributing their ideas, that they're contributing their voice, that they are showing people who they really are. And so I, I find that if you focus on meaning, on passion, and on expression in your events, be them skill building, get stuff done, or culture events, you've started with a really good base. And so that's how we've started to approach these events. Love that. Talk to me more about the passion sharing and, and how do you discover that to be able to incorporate that into the programming? Yeah. You know, I think a good way to do that is to talk about the program that we threw with Shopify last year. This is the pilot program for their bursts. And what we did was we came up with five passions that we had a hypothesis that people would be really excited about. And then we invited them to opt into those programs, to those three-day events. And if you can believe it, we threw five tracks, right? So five event types, and we threw each of them five times in 17 days. And each one's worth three days. So it was 25 events in 17 days across five tracks. And what was incredible to me is that when we invited people to opt in to their events, 
90 or so percent of the people who opted in said that they got their first or their second choice of what they wanted mm-hmm. to do. So long story short, we kind of figured out some of the major passions and they were these. One of the events was called Nourish and it was a food event. We did a kind of go shopping, pick out all the food, go do wine tasting, go build flowers for the table, then cook your food on the table with a chef right? The next one was called Jam. That was a get in the studio with a famous musician and professional producer and then build songs together as a team. So that passion would be music. We did one called Craft. That one was about getting up to nature. We found that many people have a passion of being in the woods and just hiking and hugging trees. And so that's, we created one called Craft where they did just that. The fourth one was called Play. This one was involved improv and painting and building toys. And this one is just connecting with your inner child. And the last one was for those who love learning. Uh, Many of these attendees were engineers or product managers. And so we centered one around science and adventure. And so those are the five passions that we hung our hats on. What I'd recommend is ask your team, what are the Slack channels all about in your organization? Mm. What do you find that people do when they go home? And if you can incorporate that into the experience, it's a great base because people love doing things that they find interesting. And more than that, they love doing them with each other. I'm taking notes over here. <laughs> you know, to me, this is like, okay, how do I get my people excited to show up, right? And how do I get them to opt in to something that's not a, a mandatory experience? So I love that. I want to get into with you the kind of other side of that coin. How do you get buy-in from leadership? And, you know, how do you get your leaders to either be a part of the planning process or show up or, you know, get their teams excited to be part of these experiences? Would love to hear how you did that with Shopify and what you think about the importance of exec buy-in. Yeah. I mean, this is the question, right? And I'm sure many people at home are going to be dealing with a resource constraint. But this is what I might recommend. Make this somebody's job to run this process or bring in an outsider to actually execute against it, but don't give this to somebody as a moonlighting job. That'd be first and foremost, because the last thing you want to do is make the leadership team have to bend over backwards to pull this off. You want to set the table and then have them make the toast at dinner, right? Yeah. So that's first and foremost is don't pretend like this won't take a lot of time. And especially with today's kind of booking schedules, you really want to be planning these about six months out. So a strong recommendation to bring on a vendor who can help navigate this with you or make this someone's job internally. And then the next question you should be asking is, when can our leaders attend? Start there. If your leaders can't show up, that's a big problem. And you're just not going to get the type of buy-in. It's not going to be as impactful. So baking it around your leaders is a great place to start. And then the next step that I find is to do about three or four meetings leading up to the event. We're asking questions of the leadership team or the chiefs of staff to those leaders. Hey, you know, what are the conversations that we should be having at the event? What are the most important things for us to get around the event? What are the tent poles, other conferences, other experiences, other, other moments, other launches that we might celebrate at our offsite or make our offsite happen around? What I'm sure you're going to find is that there's never going to be an opportune time to do this. It's always going to have conflicts. It's always going to be challenging to squeeze it in. But the more that you can involve the leadership team early and often, the better. 
But then what you're looking for are these key moments of involving your leaders. And so there's a couple ways to do it. You can involve them in talks and speeches. You can involve them in toasts. They can be welcoming people in and be the actual welcome committee. Or you can involve them in tapping their stars, their rising stars that could host those events for them. Some of the things we're doing right now are what we're calling talktivities. These are activities hosted with conversations. So you might be in a hot air balloon having a conversation about the future of your career, or you might be doing glass blowing while talking about how to combine differing opinions, right? So these are, we call them talktivities. And we're finding that the leaders in these organizations have the best pulse on who should be leading the conversation. And so asking leaders, maybe, yes, for their input and their leadership, but also asking them uh, for ideas on who would be great ambassadors to lead conversations throughout. I find that those techniques be really effective. Mm. Ben, everything you said makes total sense. But I'm wondering, like, how can you make sure that your exec team understands the value of the offsite? What's the return on investment? Yeah, you know... This is the million dollar question. And sometimes it actually literally can be a million dollars depending on how big the event is. We have found is that productivity means very different things to different people, right? And sometimes people think that they need to get into a room and that they need to spend the entire time figuring out the roadmap. And certainly for certain offsites, that can be incredibly empowering. But what I often find a better beacon to guide you by would be to ask the question, what is important but not urgent? What are the conversations that we should be having that we don't always take the time to have? And can we do those now? I'd also use as a beacon the concept that trust isn't built by working together. It's built by knowing each other. And in fact, getting together as an organization isn't necessarily about liking each other or agreeing with each other. Getting together as an organization is about building trust so that we can disagree with each other. And we can actually move through those conversations much more quickly. And I do think that the leaders of the future are going to need to reckon with the fact that this is a cost of doing business, that to get in the room together and understand who we are as humans and just have fun and exaggerate our play and improv and laugh and even cry sometimes, that is going to make for a stronger and more impactful and longer lasting organization. And then you got to invest in that stuff. And so as you move through this with your leadership team, very important to focus on setting expectations that, yeah, we're going to be doing some conversations that are urgent, some conversations that are important and not urgent, but important for us to have. And we're going to be doing some free time or activity time or fun time that is equally as important as those other pieces. Yeah. I think that's huge because, you know, to justify to your leadership team, taking your people away from work, it can just, you know, the cost of the event aside, the time and money investment of having your people maybe not doing their core job during the day so that they can attend the offsite might scare some senior leaders away from really going all in. But I think you just really, you know, succinctly communicated why that's not an option. We've talked about like what to do, how to approach this. I want to know, like, from your mind, where do most people get things wrong? What are like the big mess ups 
that people should be thinking of so that they can avoid them? Yeah. Well, I think it's important to remember that we are in a new day and age when it comes to offsite planning. And that right now, a lot of people are coming out of a pandemic where there's this inertia, which can go one of two directions and sometimes both. In one way, it can go in the direction of, I need to blow off steam and get loose and drink too much and maybe treat my work, my coworkers inappropriately, and it can go there. And so ensuring that you set a strong container up front, I think is really important. And often people don't take the time to set that container. The other direction it can go is that people come out of this pandemic and forget how to meet people and spend time with them. And it can feel really exhausting, especially if you're over-programming the event. And certainly I will attest to making this mistake several times in my career is over-programming and adding too many things where people just say, wow, that was really fun and I need to take a vacation. Instead, I would urge you to cut, cut, cut and only include the things you need to do and create chattable moments later on where people get to walk together in the forest or take some free time by the pool or simply just have a longer lunch. And it's really those moments where you're going to find that the biggest trust is going to be built. So considering the pandemic, I think is critical. I'd also argue that especially with where people are living and how people are now designing their lives, there's a brand new mentality that we as leaders need to have, which is that these offsites might not be able to be mandatory. And so you really need to be thinking about, can you accommodate others who are not able to come because of their personal living situation, be them parents, be them having accessibility needs, or just maybe they just choose to not travel as far as your offsite is. And so you really have one of two options. Option one is to create a hybrid experience, which is candidly never ideal, right? And option number two is to focus on content and collaboration that, again, isn't urgent or isn't mission critical and doesn't necessarily impact people's careers. Because it really can be quite exclusionary to make it so if you don't show up to this offsite, you're not going to advance in your career. That, that's not, of course, the types of cultures that any of us want to build. And so thinking about those two things as you build your offsite in this new environment, I think is huge. Okay, amazing. So what should we be doing? Like, what are the, the your greatest hits from offsite planning? You know, what are some strategies or tactics people can start to implement tomorrow? Oh, I'm glad you asked. I'm glad you asked. Oh, man, where do I begin? I think that the most important thing you can do as an offsite planner is to invite participation. And that means early and often asking people to help you plan this thing. Now, of course, you're going to get the feedback, hey, I don't have time for this, or this is just too much for me to take on right now. And I, I want you to encourage people to move past that. This is work. This is important. And the more that people host sessions, lead conversations, be welcome committee members, or I don't know, even DJ an event or play an instrument or lead a talent show, it's those types of things that really can make this into a cultural cornerstone. I'd also offer, speaking of celebrations, that make sure to celebrate at your offsites. Look, we're coming together. And when you get to be with others and celebrate, man, that's where you actually build those bonds. And this is that opportunity that we used to have all the time when we worked in the same office together, we'd ring a bell and we'd, we'd throw a party together. We don't get to do that anymore. So don't forget to celebrate something, even if it's something as big as a product launch or as small as, hey, we're all here together. We made it through the pandemic together. Whatever that looks like, try to find a celebration. And I also recommend 
taking as much time as you possibly can for moments of integrations. And when I say integrations, I mean that you'll be doing these activities or you'll be doing these conversations or you'll be doing these workshops and don't do the common mistake of saying, okay, cool, that was great, we're gonna move on. Instead, ask the question, hey, everyone, what did we learn from that that we might take forward with us? Or what surprised us about that conversation? Or how might we take that information and use it for the rest of our experience here? I find that that time for integration and even just being silent and letting someone who isn't used to speaking speak up in those times of integrations are the times that most surprise me because they're always the ones that actually are the most interesting parts of the activity. So leave space for integration. One more that I forgot is just not to forget to have a little bit of fun and be silly and to try some stuff out. You know, it's a splash value to find the fun. And gosh, in our time, we've done so many ridiculous things from like scavenger hunts to inviting like a drum instructor to like bang on the walls to like doing like an egg relay race or water balloon games like finding Instagrammable moments for us to take photographs of us of, you know, just be as silly as possible. It's really, you know, of course, meet the needs of your culture, but if you can push people to be silly, it's something they're always going to remember. Play is such an unlocker for bringing people together. I think, you know, more and more recently, I'm hearing everyone talking about vulnerability, which is true. Don't get me wrong. Big Brene Brown fan over here. And, you know, there is power and vulnerability. And sometimes there's just as much power in just play and just, you know, not taking everything so seriously and really, as you said, finding the fun. So I love that. All right, Ben, let's do a quick lightning round. I'm going to fire some questions at you. Are you ready? I think so. Okay, let's do it. First one, best way to open an event. Ooh. I'll tell you how I'm opening this upcoming camp event that I'm doing. I think it's fantastic. It's a game called Life Stories, and we're getting into groups of five, and everyone is going to tell their life story in five minutes to the other four people in the group, and they're just going to keep on talking. And then after those five minutes, the rest of the group, uh, the other four, will take one minute to reflect what was most impactful to them, and then we're going to go around in a circle, and everyone's going to go. And of course, the intention behind it is to ground the event in that we are people, we are onions of personality and experiences, and if you peel back those layers, you really get to know the humans, so we're starting the event with those life stories. Okay, love. I'm stealing that one. Next question, best like peak event experience? What what's that like pinnacle moment? You know, I have to say, you know, I didn't make this one up, but it's so darn good. Basically getting headphones, like silent disco headphones, and then linking it up with a piano or a harpist. I did this recently and it was so good. I have to give it up to the Daybreaker team. They made this up where you just, you're walking and everyone's in their own zone, but they're listening to music on the same music and it's classical music and you're taking in nature. I mean, that can be a really big peak experience. But I'd also say some of the better ones we've ever had have been just having instruments. Anyone can play. And I mean, weird instruments like synthesizers or like acoustic bass guitars or just like djembes, like find real like out of the box instruments that people want to play and then just having people go at it. Those can be really peak experiences. (laughs) Okay, definitely taking notes more drumming, more instruments. Okay. Next question. Best swag. Best swag. Well, look, I've got a couple of rules about swag and signage. These are my rules. Always order double and always make it softer. 
right? So, you know, if anyone ever asks me, always order double, always make it softer, and also always make it like something you'd actually want to wear. So those are some important call-outs. But I have recently discovered the best swag in the entire world. It's called Rainbow Paper. So go to rainbowsymphony.com and you can get your logo branded on a piece of prism paper. So it's like a sticker that your employees can bring home, put in a sunlit window. So it has to have direct sunlight and it sprays rainbows all over their house. So I just, just to put this together, you're going to have your logo always in their window spraying rainbows on their house. Rainbowsymphony.com. It's a current obsession. I love it. Everyone needs more rainbows in their life. I agree. All right. Next question. Best icebreaker. Ooh, gosh. I love common ground. Common ground is when you stand in a circle and then you say, hey, you know, take a step forward if you blank. So it might be like, mm-hmm. you know, if take a step forward if you have a Beyonce over Britney. Or take a step forward if you've been here five or so years. You can even do that on a spectrum. So it's like take one step forward based off of how many years you've been at the company. And so it just helps everyone in the group know who else is there. And then you invite other people in the group to ask their own questions. I I love that one. Common ground. That's a good one. I love that. Okay. And what's the best way to close an event or an offsite? Any experience? I just saw one that I thought was so darn good. Okay, so I did this DAO camp and I, okay, so this is how it works. It's called Anonymous Gratitudes. And what you do is everyone takes a second and they write down something that they were grateful for in the experience. And they really kind of give them some space to really think about it and they write it and they, you know, are very specific about it and they write as much as they can on a postcard. And then we all come in the middle and we trade postcards and you make it really fun. You put on some music and everyone's trading postcards and, you know, you can even come up with all sorts of games about, you know, find someone who is much taller than you and give them the postcard and, you know, make sure you do a real shuffle that makes it real fun. And then you get back in a circle and you ask people to read the postcards. And I should call out, you make sure people do not sign the postcards. And so what ends up happening is, is that you end up doing a moment of gratitude, but it's anonymous. And so it feels like anyone in the group and therefore everyone in the group is sharing in this gratitude. And it creates a really beautiful sense of a highlight reel, as well as kind of a a cumulative gratitude. So strong recommendation. Anonymous gratitude is a good one. I'm obsessed with that one. Big gratitude junkie over here. It's a daily practice for me. So I'm for sure incorporating this into our next event. That was a really good one. Yeah, it's great. And look, the last thing I'd share here is this, you know, to close it out. At the end of the day, good service can trump bad food, but bad service cannot trump good food. And I say that in that it's these moments that people are going to remember. They're going to remember how they were treated. You were digging a memorable hole in their brains and in their psyches. And so it's your opportunity to remind them what you stand for as an organization. And so treating your team with that little extra surprise and delight or that little extra handhold or that moment of care or that moment of intentionality, it can make such a big difference. And it doesn't matter if you brought them to, you know, the World Series or a crazy concert or you have, you know, lions and tigers and bears. It doesn't matter what you do. If you aren't setting it up and being there for them, and as I said, providing a great service, but also a great container, it's just not going to land. So spend that extra time, that extra effort, both planning for it and delivering it. And it makes the world a difference. Love that. This is how we take care of our people. That's what it's all about. 
Okay. So Ben, before we wrap up here, what's the book that people need to read? What are you reading to help you navigate all this right now? Ooh, good question. You know, I'm reading two that I'm using as I go through this. One is called Leader Lab. It was written by the Life Labs group. And it's like a simple but really impactful training manual for managers. So if you are incorporating any kind of skill building, strong recommendation to check out Life Labs and the Leader Lab. And then number two, I've been obsessed. And it's like on my desk. It's oh, it's right by my side. It's this book called Magical Meetings. It's written by a guy named John Fitch, who's like an incredible operator, manager, leader, author. And he wrote this. It's it's so easy to digest. And it comes up with all of these great ideas and practices, but also frameworks that you can use in your meetings, be them offsites or a Zoom meeting. So check out Magical Meetings and uh, The Leader Lab. I love both of those books. Mm, thank you for those, Rex. I'm going to go order them right now. Well, Ben, thanks so much for coming on to the podcast today and kind of just opening your brain and your mind to all of us and sharing all these gems and all the knowledge that you have. I know that I'm going to be taking these things, bringing them to our people team and incorporating them for our next offsite and my next marketing team offsite. If anyone wants to find Ben on the socials, on the interwebs, Ben, how can they find you? I'm hardcore on LinkedIn nowadays. So maybe just hit Mm. me up on LinkedIn or you can check me out on Twitter, Benny.events, D-O-T. And, uh, All right. More of a LinkedIn guy nowadays. I'm very corporate nowadays, Camille. You know what? LinkedIn's my favorite social platform too these days. Never thought I would say that, but it's the place to be. So find Ben on LinkedIn, Ben Hinman. And listen, if you've tuned in today and you found this episode helpful, this is not the last of it. We've got more where that's coming from. We're serving up fresh episodes twice a month. And we might even be starting a monthly AMA session where you can come on live and ask us questions about your event programs and how we can make them absolutely stellar together. So thank you for tuning in and we'll see you next time.